All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to session DAT207, migrating database to the cloud with Amazon, with AWS database migration service, with special guests from Verizon, and I'm excited to see you here. My name is Aran Schitzer, and I'm the principal product manager for the AWS database migration service and the AWS schema conversion tools, which we're going to talk about in this session. And I'm excited to see all of you here. I, uh, two years ago, we got this small room. And last year, we got the big room, but only 30% showed up. Mm. So now it's good to see that uh, the room is big and it's full. And I'm, I hope you get a good use of your time in the next 50 minutes. If you do, if you've learned something, if the speaker was effective, please fill out the survey. If, we did not, if you did not learn anything and we were not effective, still fill out the survey so we can uh, get better for doing this next year. And uh, fortunately for you, I'll be the least one speaking today. I have guests here. I have Jag and Sandeep from Verizon and David uh, from uh, Niatech. And we have a packed agenda. Uh, first of all, we'll go over a quick overview of the AWS database migration service and the AWS schema conversion tool. Uh, then we'll hear from Verizon about their experience. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the migration playbooks, which are the best practices for uh, converting databases. Uh, highlights and Q&A, if we do not have time uh, for Q&A, we, uh, we will stay here, okay, uh, here or in the hallway, so you can ask us uh, the questions in uh, private. I also uh, publish my email at the end of this presentation, so if you have questions, please uh, reach out. All right, one last uh, main housekeeping stuff. We have uh, related database migration sessions. Uh, today at 5.30, my colleague will demo and uh, talk about migrating NoSQL databases to Dynamo using DMS. Then we have uh, workshops and chalk talks, and this is just the uh, tip of the iceberg. And we've already been doing this for uh, two and a half days now. Uh, by the way, a workshop just... Uh, to be clear, it's three hours, two and a half, three hours, a hands-on workshop. All right, so uh, moving a database, moving a data warehouse, or moving data in general is a journey. It's a multi-phase journey. And there are many, many reasons for embarking on this journey. Some of them financial reasons. For example, I don't want to keep sending these millions of dollars to the specific vendor every year. Sorry, I should say vendors every year. And then they send me their audits, and they ask for more money because I turned on one or two features. Or there are technology uh, reasons. I chose my database 10 years ago, and it doesn't fit my needs anymore. It doesn't do the job it's supposed to do for the application in the modern world. You, uh, mobile, IoT, you name it. 
And then there are good reasons. So I want to enjoy the richness of the cloud. I want to enjoy the 19 global regions that AWS offers with uh, five coming uh, soon. Or I want to enjoy one of the 140 and counting services that we offer on AWS. So, and we acknowledge that it's a journey and it's not an easy one. And we embarked, uh, when we embarked on the journey ourselves, we launched DMS NSET, which is the abbreviated name for the database migration service and the schema conversion tool, with the goal to allow our customers the freedom to choose the best data platform for their needs. Or in one word, hashtag dbfreedom. So we want to allow you to choose and move to what is best for you. And for that, we introduced two, two products, the schema conversion tool, SCT, and the database migration service, DMS. These are close related cousins. In short, the schema conversion tool helps you move and convert your schema. And the database migration service helps you migrate and replicate your data. When we talk about the service, we talk about three main use cases. The modernize, the migrate, and the replicate. Modernize. When you want to realize, again, the value from your database, and you want to move off of one of the commercial engines, either Oracle SQL Server or DB2, LUW version, to an open source engine, such as Postgres, MySQL, or one of the Aurora engines, which are both based on MySQL or Postgres, we help you modernize. We help you move. We help you convert. We also help you assess. You can run the SCT assessment report and see the compatibility of your database to one of these open source engines, but not only the compatibility, but also a very detailed list of action items that you will need to take in order to convert your schema. But we, it's not only about assessment. We only also automatically convert uh, these schemas. And we're at about 90%, on average, 90% conversion automation from uh, these uh, sources to uh, open source uh, to open source uh, engines. With the 10% left, manual work, some of it, uh, so we, we have best practices, some of, uh, some of it will be covered by David later in the, this presentation. But we also help you modernize your data warehouses. So if you have one of the six data warehouses, the Oracle, the SQL Server, NetEase, Greenplum, Vertica, or Teradata, you can also convert and migrate those to Amazon Redshift. So that's modernized. The migrate is the obvious one. And this is just a partial list. And what I enjoy the most is that when I travel globally and I meet customers, I always learn about new usage 
of DMS and how they use the product. The most common one is the first one, is the migrate business critical application. Why migrate business critical applications? Because we allow the source database to be, to be operational throughout the migration until the source and, tar and target are in full sync, and then you can switch your application to work with the new uh, target. We also see, again, customers migrating to Amazon Redshift. We see customers upgrading minor versions without downtime. Uh, one of the more common recently used cases is consolidating shards because of MySQL limitations. You can now enjoy the size and richness of Aurora. We see customers moving their shards and consolidating their shards into a single Aurora cluster. And the last one is that we also acknowledge that you are free to move between technologies. So you can, we allow you to move between NoSQL to SQL, SQL to NoSQL, and NoSQL to SQL. And that's something that is unique for DMS. When we talk about Replicate, the, na the name of the product is AWS Migration Service. But we see a growing community of customers using the service to Replicate. There are three main use cases for using uh, DMS for replication. The create cross-region replica. Now working in one region, but I need a copy in another region because I'm growing globally. Run your analytics in the cloud. Whether I'm doing it on Redshift, Aurora, RDS for Postgres, RDS for MySQL, we see customers replicating critical data, mission-critical data, in real-time uh, to the cloud using DMS. And the last one is our support to S3 buckets. So you can use S3 as a source or a target. Customer replicate and build the data lakes from transactional data to S3 through DMS. So these are the main three buckets of use cases, but there are hundreds, because every time we see new customers, we see new use cases and we enjoy it, and we try to support as many as we can. Verizon will testify later <laughs> about that statement. Uh, when we talk about the supported environment, the top row are, the, are supported sources. As you can see, different technology, relational, NoSQL, data warehouse. And the bottom are all a supported target. Why Elasticsearch and Kinesis are marked? Because they are new. We launched them last week. So now you can stream data for Elasticsearch for search. And you can stream real-time data through Kinesis for online analytics or just you know, spread it across different, uh, different data sources, data target, I should say. One caveat here is that the data warehouses, the six that I mentioned, can only move to Redshift. The others can move, you can move Oracle to any of the bottom uh, targets. 
Before I hand the uh, clicker to my friends from Verizon, I want to give you a few highlights that are sometimes lost in, in translation. We support both homogeneous and heterogeneous. It means that we support MySQL to MySQL, Postgres to Postgres, Oracle to Oracle, but we also support Oracle to Aurora. We also support SQL Server to MySQL. We help you assess, and I mentioned it, help you assess the efforts, that it will, the efforts and the compatibility it will take you to move to a different database platform. And that's something we're enhancing all the time, and new features are coming all the time. We can convert not just the schema. We can convert your functions and your procedures. And we can also look at your code, your application code, identify embedded SQL statement, and attempt to convert those based on the target engine that you chose. So that's something that's useful and important and some, sometimes a little bit lost. Before you start your migration, we verify that your migration will, will we try to prevent failures of migrations. For example, if data types are not supported, will alert you before you start uh, your uh, migration. We call it the in-flight feature, the pre-flight feature. And then we also validate. So we make sure that every record that you attempted to migrate made it to the target, uh, to the destination. And that's not just in homogeneous migration, that's also in heterogeneous migration, okay? So if you're moving Oracle to Postgres and you did data transformation, which you're probably gonna do, data, data, data type conversion, sorry, then we will validate that the record arrived in the proper format. And the last one is that it's secure and it meets all the certification that Amazon uh, keeps tracks of and is very, very um, adamant about uh, having a secure uh, solution. With that, I will hand the clicker to uh, Jack. Thank you, Aaron. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for joining this session. I'm Jack Chetigari, our senior manager at Verizon TechOps organization. In our agenda today, we have our, I'm going to talk about the current state application architecture, key DB requirements, DB, uh, DR proposed guidelines. And here with me, I have Sandeep, who is going to talk about migration strategy, tools used for the migration, lessons learned, and key takeaways. We have in our on-prem, uh, this is architecture, so we have divided, I mean, categorized our applications into three categories, mission critical, business critical and non-critical. Here for our DB migration case study, I'm going to mainly focus on mission and business critical applications. So as you most of you are aware that business critical applications are those that support the core business functions, such as e-commerce, billing, customer care, and self-service applications. And they will be directly attributing to the bottom line revenue of the company. For that, these type of applications, we have an entire architecture where, which includes the 
local HA and active active across geolocations. Obviously, given the nature of these applications, uh, the recovery time objective is less than 15 minutes. Coming to the business critical applications, those applications support the uh, internal business functions and which has less impact in case of a crisis. And for these type of applications, we have active-passive DR solutions in place with a recovery time objective of less than four hours. So here is a key requir database requirements when we migrate our applications to the cloud. The main requirement here is when we migrate applications to the cloud is high availability, meaning we need to run our applications and systems 24 by 7 by 365. We are achieving this by, in on-prem by having local HA, wherein if we have uh, uh, one DB node fails, uh, we will, uh, the other node will be coming, pick up the transactions automatically uh, to, seem, uh, to have the seamless business continuity. And the same seamless business continuity for all the scheduled uh, uh, maintenances such as DB patches and, and so on and so forth. In addition to the local HA, we also need a DR site, wherein if all the DB nodes of a cluster has issues or DB crash scenario, we need to fail over the application to the other site seamlessly to have a customer, not to disrupt the customer uh, transactions or uh, activities. So in addition to the high availability and active-active uh, across geolocations, we also need to serve our customers in sub-second, trans customer transactions in sub-seconds, and we, will be able, we should be able to serve anywhere between 500 to 2,000 transactions per second. So, so with that, he, I mean, uh, if, uh, with the architecture and the requirements, we have came up with the proposed guidelines uh, with partnering with AWS to have the same availability of the applications in the cloud. So, so here, if you look at the BIS score, BIS score, uh, business impact analysis. So mission critical applications fall into the BIS score of high, where it, it maps to the on-premise as well as in AWS EC2 and Aurora. So, so and again, in, uh, in case of EC Aurora, uh, specifically to the Postgres, AWS, as per the AWS roadmap, the bidirectional capabilities will be available soon. So I mean, uh, uh, in few days, I mean, uh, we were attending some sessions, like, and we've been told that bidirectional capabilities will be built soon, so wherein we can do cross-region replication for the business-critical applications. Whereas, mission-critical applications, sorry. So for the coming to the business-critical applications, they fall into the BA score of medium, where it maps right now out to the on, uh, current on-premise to AC2 and Aurora, and they have the multi-region DR capabilities and DR solutions in place. And in addition, in cloud, there is a pilot light where you can run your lighter version of the applications always in the cloud, and when the time comes for the recovery, you can actually provision the full scale of application within a few, few minutes or seconds. 
So with that now, I'll be handing over to Sandeep, who is going to cover the technicalities of the migration strategy. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. So I'm going to talk about the migration strategy we at Verizon uh, followed. So we have decided to migrate from the commercial uh, database engines to Aurora Postgres, meaning the Oracle and the SQL Server databases. We are on the path to migrate them to Aurora Postgres. So based on our criticality of the applications, we have divided our strategy. Starting with the mission-critical applications, the approach we took is lift and shift, meaning we would migrate the databases to the same database engine as is to AWS. Today I'm going to talk about what we have done for our Oracle footprint. So in the case of Oracle, uh, we put them on RDS or EC2, again, based on what is the size of your database, what are the IOPS requirements, uh, are there any features that are not being supported on RDS, and is there a need to have a full control of your database. Based on those factors, we have placed the workloads, a few of them on RDS and a few of them in EC2. So far, we have migrated most of our non-production workloads to AWS in this lift and shift model, and we are in the process of migrating our production workloads. The end goal is to get to Aurora Postgres, but the primary reason we took this approach for mission critical is we wanted to minimize the risk to the business, right? So this is obviously a new database platform we are getting into. We want to familiarize ourselves with the new engine, try to get operational experience, try to find out any issues that we might run into when we, uh, when we migrate these applications. And another reason is, at Verizon, the approach we wanted to take for a mission-critical migration to cloud is N plus one, N being the number of data centers on-prem, and one being the region in AWS. There is a need to keep the data in sync to serve the application in an N plus one model, and there are tools which we could use to replicate the data from an Oracle database on-premise to Aurora Postgres, but so far, there hasn't been any tool that could replicate the data back from Aurora Postgres to Oracle on-prem. That's something we are working with AWS and other vendors. So till then, we started pushing our business critical and non-critical and any of the new applications that we are building to Aurora Postgres. So for the business critical, we started the refactoring. Uh, most of our Oracle and SQL Server applications are being migrated to uh, Aurora Postgres. We have migrated a few of them. We have departed a few of them in production. So what are the tools we use to do this refactoring? SCT and DMS. SCT to convert the uh, database code, objects, and DMS to migrate the data. I'm going to talk about what are the lessons learned and challenges for each of these tools, starting with SCT. As Eren pointed out, the first step for migrating any database using an SCT is to run an assessment report. So we, we pointed the SCT tool to our on-premise databases and chose the appropriate version and the engine we wanted on AWS. What we have seen is an 80% conversion rate. Most of the database storage objects like tables, indexes, constraints, SCT was able to generate the code uh, in Postgres, whereas the database code objects like PLSQL packages, functions, procedures, there were cases where SCT would try to uh, convert them. In some, in some cases, it would say this particular feature is not available in Postgres, or in some cases, it would need a human intervention to rewrite the code. And one thing we wanted to mandate during this migration is to try to push the uh, code out of the database, meaning we wanted the code to be sitting in the application layer so that we could have the applications DB agnostic so that 
If we want to really decide to migrate to another database in the future, we need not go through the exercise of converting the code, right? So now going into the issues we have seen with the SET, partition table conversion. So till Postgres 10, there was no uh, declarative partitioning available. So what was happening till Postgres 9.6 or 9.8 was the only way to create a partition table is via child table inheritance. So each of your partition in the source table would be like a child table in Postgres, and we have to create uh, triggers on top of each of the child tables, and the parent table is just empty. It's just used to view the data. So even though Postgres 10 had the declarative partitioning, SCT was not able to generate the compatible code, and then we worked with the SCT teams, and uh, looks like they pushed an update out, and we could now convert the code appropriately to, to create those tables. The next issue is the data type issues. So in our Oracle database, if we, we had a lot of, uh, as everyone, we had a lot of number data types. If we had a number with a precision defined, SCT would convert that to be uh, numeric, whereas if there was no precision defined, SCT was converting that to be a double precision data type in Postgres. So that was causing issues where applications were not able to insert data or read data, so we had to manually uh, modify all these data types to be a numeric, or in some cases, if there was no need for a precision for that data type or the particular column, you would make that an integer to basically get a better performance. Next one, uh, default date conversions. Most of our transaction tables, we try to uh, partition them to, to tune the performance or to better maintain them. So we had a lot of tables uh, wherein we would uh, default the create date to be a, a sys date. So SCT was trying to generate code for the generation of that default date. The way it does is it's basically creating a function, and that function would internally uh, convert the date. So it had some NLS calendar parameters, and we had to update those parameters on, in some cases or remove the NLS calendar parameters to basically get the uh, date converted. Moving on to the issues with DMS. The main thing we... We really uh, liked about DMS is not only to be able to do the data copy, but also to keep the data in sync. That's very critical because once we migrate the data, we are not going to be doing the cutover immediately. We want to be able to validate the data, even though DMS does its own validation. We want to do the manual validation, have the application teams validate. And once the validation is complete, that's when we would have the on-prem application shut down and then bring up the applications on AWS. For that, we use the continuous replication post data copy feature of DMS. Next one, using the standby on the source to reduce the impact. When DMS is running or reading the data from the on-premise databases, there were cases where, uh, especially for the really large tables or heavily transactional tables, while reading the data, the applications that are using them on on-prem would see some slowness or see some performance issues. So then we have uh, pointed the DMS to connect to the standby instead so that we could reduce the load on the primary database and uh, not impact the applications while doing the migrations. Next one regarding the large table copy. For any large table, if we started the data migration using a single thread, it was taking a really long time. So we used the parallel option of uh, dividing the, each of the tasks into subtasks by basically uh, defining conditions on the primary key and defining a range. 
to speed up the process. Dry runs needed before production migration. I would say this is the most important lesson we learned with DMS. So based on the size of the database, uh, the characteristic of the database, the number of tables you have in a schema, the type of columns you have in a table, do you have any LOBs, what kind of copy are doing, limited LOB, full LOB, based on all these factors, the copy time has varied. So when we initially started a migration of a terabyte of a database, it was actually taking more than a day. So we had to go through multiple iterations to find out, okay, what are the tables that it is taking the longer time on, how do we group the tables, and how do we divide some of the tables into subtasks. This is all basically done through, only, we were only able to get to an optimized or a, a better timing based on the number of runs we did. So finally, after doing multiple runs, a one terabyte migration which was taking more than a day, uh, finally at the, after these runs, it came down to around eight hours, right? So going into the issues, again, the data migration for large database, it ties back to my previous thing. Still, if we really have a multi-terabyte of database, it is actually gonna take longer than what we want it to be. But I was told one of the features that DMS 3.1.2 uh, has is, instead of us defining the subtasks for each of your partition tables, now DMS has a feature of, it would automatically uh, detect if it is a partition table, and it would try to unload in multiple threads for all the subpartitions and partitions. Hopefully that should help with the partition tables, but we'd still like to see some improvements on uh, uh, getting the migrated, you're migrating the data faster. The next one, the option to specify to copy more than eight tables at a time. Uh, this was also recently addressed, I believe, so we will be able to get to up to 50 threads uh, based on if your source database can take the load. So overall, during these migrations, what are our key takeaways? First one, one size does not fit all. So there are playbooks, you know, everyone has those playbooks, what to do when you start the migration of a database. But there is no one way to do any migration. It depends upon what, what is the nature of the database, right? What is the size? What amount of code do you have in the DB? What are the requirements from the application side? Meaning, do you have requirements to have the data in sync across regions, data in sync back to on-prem? So we had to go through an exercise of identifying all these points or go through the playbooks and based on outcome of each of the step, we would devise a strategy. So it's no, there is no one strategy to uh, migrate a database. It's going to differ based on your uh, uh, needs. Next one, choosing the right tools. So far for our business critical applications, which we have migrated, uh, DMS and SCT have sufficed the need. But while going into the migrations for mission critical, uh, there is again really a need to get a tool out which we could do outbound replication. Again, that's something hopefully we'll see soon. Next one, conducting dry runs. This is, this is in specific to DMS and validations and bringing up the applications. So it's really mandatory to do multiple iterations of dry runs uh, to get the optimal time for your data copy and to validate and make sure the data quality that has been, uh, the data quality of the data that has been migrated is good, right? The last one, performance testing. I would say this is the most critical aspect. Comparing with an on-prem uh, footprint, a lot of things are changing when we move to uh, AWS, right? The server architecture is different. Your storage is different. The network layer is different. Uh, again, the database engine is 
different too. So to get to the right sizing of the instances or to tune the database engine parameters, and in some cases, we had to also tune the SQLs that were running. On an on-prem Merkle database, we had some queries running faster. What we found out is we had to create, or actually in some cases, create indexes that were not needed on on-prem, or in some cases, modify the index definitions to achieve better or similar performance. So it's really critical for each of the databases to go through this exercise of uh, doing the performance testing. So, so far, we migrated our business critical, as I've been saying. So what would help us get there faster to AWS? What would help us to migrate our mission-critical applications? The first two ones, the cross-region and hybrid and multi-master. Uh, we have been attending some sessions, Aurora sessions, and also meeting with the Aurora development folks. Hopefully, they would be out next year, which would speed up our uh, uh, migrations. And the conversion of packages, yes, SCT does try to convert the code from an Oracle to a Postgres, but we would like to see better conversion rate, right? And also <clears throat> minimize the manual work needed or workforce needed to write, rewrite the code. The last one, conversion of shell scripts. We have a lot of uh, shell scripts we currently have on-prem, uh, which would do data loads, data massaging, or uh, aggregating data. We would like to see SCT also convert the DB-specific code in those shell scripts to be uh, Postgres compatible. It has been an exciting journey for us coming from a traditional DBMO to now being responsible for the compute, storage, database engine, working on automations to build all these services, migrating them, and we are continuously trying to upskill ourselves and try to improve our processes. Amazon has done a good job of providing the tools like AWS, DMS, and SCT to have the migration to cloud doable, but it is far from seamless. They're continuously updating their tools or building new tools to make it easier for customers, but till then, the success of the database migration would depend on the preparation we do ahead of time. With that, I would hand it over to you. Thank you very much, Jag and Sandeep, for sharing the story with us. As I mentioned, it's a journey. It's a journey that uh, has multi-phases, and we're trying to help with automation and improving the product as we go along. By the way, just one comment. We release an SCT version every month. So uh, it's currently uh, version 6.2.1. So if you run it a month later, you're going to probably get uh, improvement in conversion. Same for, by the way, DMS. DMS and uh, new capabilities go uh, out all the time as a service. Um, with that, I'd like to invite uh, David. David is the CTO of Niatek and helped us build the uh, practices, the best practices for converting uh, Oracle and SQL uh, Server to uh, open source engine. David. Thank you, Ron. Can you hear the music here? Or yes, there is music. There, there's music yeah. playing somewhere. Is, is that, that a phone? Gives us like a nice vibe to the presentation. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, hi everyone, uh, I'm David, I'm the CTO of Niatech. Uh, we are a database consulting firm located in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, an Amazon partner and part of the Amazon um, Database Freedom Program. As such, a lot of what we do um, is helping clients move their existing commercial traditional workloads onto AWS, leveraging cloud-native database technologies such as Aurora, RDS, and Redshift. 
Um, and I'm here on stage today to share with you an initiative that we have been working together with Amazon for the past year or so, which is the database migration playbooks, which are essentially guides containing the best practices, blueprints, and procedures on how to move existing workloads running on uh, Oracle and SQL Server databases to Aurora, MySQL, and Aurora Postgres. Now, as you saw in the presentation um, um, from Verizon, Amazon has tools that can help simplify the migration process and can help execute those on-prem traditional commercial database migrations to AWS cloud-native services. And the success rate for, for example, SCT, which is the schema conversion tool, is very high. For Verizon, it was approximately 80%, which is great. But then the question that you may ask is, so what do we do with the rest of the 20%? Because there are some proprietary features and schema objects that you may have in your source databases that cannot be converted automatically, or maybe can be partially converted automatically, but some manual involvement is still required. So as such, what we have done is essentially um, take what we believe is the most commonly used features that you will find in most production Oracle and SQL Server databases. This can include schema objects and, um, and vendor-specific APIs that you might be using inside your store procedures, such as Oracle DBMS packages, but also operational uh, infrastructure-level features such as you know, Oracle Armen, uh, Oracle uh, Flashback, for example. So we took all of those different features, attributes that can cause stickiness, to a certain database platform and try to provide, first of all, um, provide an, ex um, an overview if this feature can be converted automatically using SCT fully, maybe not fully, but still to some degree. And if not, provide workarounds, including actual code blueprints for you to be able to manually do the 20% that's kind of like remaining for the migration process, those 20% that cannot be converted automatically. So we encourage you to use those database migration playbooks, and I'll show you in a moment um, their structure and outline and where you can find them as kind of like your reference guide um, when you perform your database migrations to AWS. These guides are meant to augment, you know, using SCT and DMS, because SCT and DMS can take you most of the way. So maybe for the final, that last mile, where you need to do some manual, you know, hands-on, DBA-related um, task to get some of those tricky schema objects converted, such as partition tables. So as, as, as was mentioned, you know, for example, Oracle has declarative partitioning, and SQL Server um, also, uh, and Postgres 9.6 does not. So in case you, you do need to create like manual parent and child tables with table inheritance and triggers, how do you do that? So we wanted to provide the templates for you to do so. Also, maybe you have synonyms in your Oracle database. Does Postgres support them? Should you use views as workarounds? What do you do if you have index organized tables? Or maybe even you are relying on Oracle Flashback database. Is there anything in Aurora that can provide you similar functionality? So all of this can be found um, in, those, in our playbooks that we have created with Amazon. And just as a spoiler alert, each one of those guides, and we have several, is almost, I think the average is like 400 pages long. So they make for really fascinating reading material. Um, but you know the more the merrier, right? So, how do you find the database migration uh, playbooks? And let's see why we cannot see the browser on the screen. So maybe if I'll exit this presentation. 
Let's minimize it. Nope, still has the slide on. Let me see. Brand, you know why we can't see the uh, browser? Uh, technical editor here, okay. We need to stop the presentation. Oh, there we go. No. no. Uh, Maybe there is like a different desktop or something? Maybe. Oh, yeah, you have like two desktops here, so let me just. There we go. There's our missing browser window. So you can find those database migration playbooks on the DMS website. As you see, we have a bunch of them um, already available. You know, Oracle to Redshift, uh, Oracle to Aurora MySQL, or Oracle to Amazon Aurora Postgres and SQL Server to Amazon Aurora MySQL. We have a bunch more that we are currently working on that should be published soon. Um, so keep checking the DMS webpage, um, DMS Getting Started and Resources webpages for additional playbooks as we publish them. And just to give you an example of how those playbooks look like, so for example, maybe we can, uh, we have like one of them open here. So this is the Microsoft SQL Server to Amazon Aurora with MySQL compatibility migration playbook. So again, these are very long documents, very extensive documents, very technical, very hands-on. And the way that we structure them to help you perform your database migrations is that we kind of cover like most of the, um, I think most, most of the uh, vendor-specific database engine-specific features that you can find in your source database and then both um, kind of try to show if there is automation that, uh, for the migration via SCT or if there is anything, um, or any manual work that needs to be done as part of it. So you see we have a very cool table of compatibility where we basically for each feature, and you saw, I'll show you some examples in a moment, we show you how much is the source feature compatible with, in this case, Aurora MySQL. Um, so it could be, um, we could have low compatibility, medium compatibility, or high compatibility. But we also kind of factor in what's the SAT automation level for conversion. Because you want to know, even maybe before you're starting to convert your database, if you know that you're heavily using a certain vendor-specific feature, you might be interested to, to, before you even run SCT, kind of figure out, is this going to be covered by SCT? And if so, to what extent? And many, many, many features and many schema objects uh, are fully converted. Some, some of the trickiest ones uh, are not. And as you can see, when, when you start scrolling down and browsing through these playbooks, you see that we basically, and this is the same structure that we use for all of them. We list the source feature, and again, we cover both schema, schema objects, um, data types, server level uh, features and attributes, and then we present what's the best equivalent, bless you, what's the best equivalent feature in the target engine, or um, uh, MySQL in this case, and as, as, uh, also, as um, we, you see by the database and gear icons, how much it is compatible and how much automation can be done. So again, scrolling through this list, you see we cover a lot of stuff. So you can click on each one of those features and essentially get um, um, uh, as, as a link to the page in the guide that covers the SQL Server side. So kind of giving you a brief overview of what does this feature uh, mean in SQL Server and then code blueprints on how you can convert it to um, the target engine or on MySQL or Postgres. So again, these, these are meant to be very hands-on technical playbooks providing all of the blueprints. And I do encourage you to use those playbooks as part of your migration journey alongside SCT and DMS. Uh, and hopefully, you know, they will make your life just a little bit easier. So thank you very much. Thank you, thank you David. Let me try and get back here to... Uh... You need to move it to the other desktop.
All right, music's still playing, so we're good. Mm. Um, clicker is here. All right, so uh, we have 15 more minutes left, so I speak for five minutes, and then 10 minutes we'll ask questions and answers, uh, all of us. Uh, just, a, again, quick product highlights for SCT, the assessment report, we talked about it. Helps you understand what is the most compatible engine for your uh, needs with a list of action items, convert schema encode, and it can extract and migrate data warehouses to uh, Amazon Redshift, all the six data warehouses that we mentioned earlier. The DMS highlight, the pre-migration assessment, we validate that before you start the migration, everything is, uh, well, not everything, but we are improving it as we go along, but the configuration of your migration uh, will not uh, fail or will minimize failure during the migration. Data validation, uh, very important for compliance, but also to make sure that everything you migrated, you wanted to migrate or you plan to migrate, actually made it to the target. Heterogeneous environments as well. That's, I think, one of the key elements here. And we have the Snowball integration for large database. So we released that last year. If you're familiar with Snowball, it's an appliance device, a heavy one. You get it, you download the, uh, your database, you send it. We upload it to the region that you ask for, and then DMS picks up the changes that happen since you downloaded the, the migration. And it didn't take me five minutes, it took me two minutes. So we have uh, now, um, by the way, I didn't, I forgot to mention that we celebrated the uh, 100,000 uh, database uh, migra instance migrations. Uh, and uh, I forgot to bring the stickers. So I uh, <laughs> uh, apologize for that. Maybe you have stickers? You have, okay. So we, we have stickers to celebrate with us. Um, what we often do is we release our best practices as blogs, okay? So go to our blogs, uh, amazon.com, awsamazon.com, blogs, databases. We, it's a, these are technical blogs. These are not marketing blogs. We also make announcements of releases. For example, the Elasticsearch and Kinesis are there, plus instructions on how to set it up and how to uh, work the solution. Um, with that, that's my email, my name, my email, my, I publish everything on Twitter, all the releases, because uh, I heard that about 100%, if not more, of our customers, I don't know what's, new, what's coming or what's, uh, what we released, so I publish it there if you want to uh, track or through the blog, is also fine. And we will take questions now. If you have any, we'll be more than happy to answer. Uh, but you'll have to say who you're, I don't know. How does it work? You have a, like a mic or something. Any questions, by the way? Or we did a perfect job? OK, here. I'll repeat the question, don't worry. The Verizon? OK. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we did see some. Uh, Repeat the question. The question. Again. The question is uh, once we did the migrations from to Postgres, what kind of issues did we see? So, so far, most of them are related to the uh, applications folks not being much familiar with how the Postgres works. So, we needed to work with some performance tuning. And apart from that, we haven't seen any major issues. Mostly related to getting familiar with the new database engine. Yes, please. There's a question for me or for Isaac? Okay. Have you used the validation feature? We did, but we also, it, it does slow down the process of the data copy, right? And also some cases, we had to do again another round of validation. So we basically <coughs> turned it off and tried to do it ourselves. So it's a work in progress. We're improving performance. We're splitting it to two different tasks. So performance will not be uh, interrupted or, uh, you, not see, you won't see any degradation because of the validation. The what? I'm not allowed to comment on that. <laughs> and I'm on film here, so yeah. Uh, getting me into trouble. Yes, please. No, so far what we migrated are like the standalone Repeat, uh, kind of applications. The question is, uh, did we decouple our applications because most of the applications talk to each other? But what we migrated are the applications which are standalone, mostly business uh, critical functions like serving internal customers. So the applications you are talking about fall under the mission critical category. We are still in the process of migrating them. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Sure. Sure. The question is what we did for the application layer uh, for the databases we migrated to AWS. Yes, they were also migrated. Most of them were using, again, commercial database engines like. WebLogic, WebSphere, they were migrated to Apache Tomcat, and they had to rewrite some of them. And yes, but more, all, the, all the databases which we migrated have the application stack sitting in AWS as well. And they're running on an EC2 instance. Yeah. The largest one we migrated so far is 1.5 terabytes. That, no, mainly with the data migration, right? It was taking really long. But once we did the migration, we did the cutover within a day or two, so we haven't seen much issues. Yeah. Not a day downtime, right? We also have the continuous replication in place. So once the, we did all our validations as well, we just did a cutover. So there was no downtime. Yes, yes, DMS has a continuous replication, right? So we, we can, yeah. It does support replication. I saw questions here, please. The support for DB2. We support DB2 LUW as a source, same as any other engine. And we, um, so you can, and the conversions as well with the um, SCT. Yes, please. 
You mean converting the columns? Yeah, the code. The, the code. The sort procedures and functions. How much manual work is the tables, there? most of it SCT does, right? So there are a few columns which we had to, like I said, an example about the number data type where we had to change it. SCT does the 100% for the column level, but coming to the SQL code, it depends upon what kind of procedures or functions you have, right? So 20%, right? 20% is... 20, 20% is what we had to rewrite to make it work. And we keep uh, iterating and improving. So we learn based on samples and keep, we have a huge uh, sample databases in our labs. And we see that uh, with every version of SCT, which goes out every month, the percentage goes uh, of manual work goes down. Plus you have the uh, books that they were not available at the time, so it helps mm. you. They are now. Uh, the books. Yeah. The books. The books. Yeah. Yes, yeah. please. Available, but you're updating them. The rise in your popular. Mm -hmm. Was there a scenario where you were running compute in AWS and connecting to data back to on-prem? No. We were seeing latency, so we are always trying to run both application stack and the database in AWS. No, what we saw, most of our databases are, which we use are Oracle. So we got a better conversion rate by going to Postgres. So, yeah. What is, what is the rate? So it's more compatible with more, most of the code we had in Oracle. We need to do less rewrites to make it work in Postgres. Yeah. What, is, what is the variance? What variance? I would say around 20 to 30%. For our, for our databases. I'm talking about only what we have seen with our databases. There's an interesting use case online. Uh, forget the name of the company, sorry. Uh, that uh, used SCT to evaluate which is the best platform for their needs for moving off of Oracle. Uh, where is he? Trimble, sorry. Trimble. <laughs> Please. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the question is, is there a tool to convert uh, SSI packages? And the answer is currently no, uh, but uh, maybe in the future. We are trying to convert them to be... Uh, we basically, for most of our um, databases which we migrate, we still have an EC2 server, which we are using like a jump server uh, for running any of the bad jobs. So we can try to convert them into a bad job and try to run them through cron. Yeah. But there are extensions available for Postgres. Uh, I don't know if they're available yet on Aurora Postgres, but they said they will be available soon, so which we could use like a DB, similar to DBMS scheduler. Right. Yes, please. Um, no dumb question. From Postgres to Postgres, yes. it's usually pretty smooth. It's very, uh, I'm not sure that you, yeah, but you can evaluate it using, uh, using the tools and see. Yeah, and uh, yeah, 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 
close to 100 percent. Yeah, I, supposed to be. Please. So we recommend, as a, sorry, the question is about uh, snowball migration, what's the volume of migration? The rule of thumb is uh, six terabytes go to snowball, but we've already seen customer migrate over 20 terabytes using DMS over the network. It also depends on the speed of the network, the strength of the network. So there are many elements here that uh, you need to take into account. Rule of thumb, again, six tera terabytes is, uh, is that, oh, I need to move to the center. Sorry, there was a question here. I don't know I'm supposed to talk about numbers, but yeah, there was significant cost savings, I would say. It's an enterprise uh, and moving away from Oracle. And then support-wise, yeah, we, we just work with directly with Amazon support to, on any kind of issues we run into. They help us out. Uh, they, they would point us to what can be done to fix the issue in some cases. Yes, so far. <laughs> Hopefully. It's <laughs> uh, a reason not to be, uh, <laughs> you should be aware of. Last question, sorry, uh, please. Here we have the SQL Server Database Expert in Migrations, uh, Arun. Guys, thank you very much. We're out of time. We're, we're thank you.